We're a pioneer church based in Loughborough in the UK. Our mission is to make disciples to establish heaven on earth. What I'm going to do today is look at um, what does it mean for us to proclaim, to live out the kingdom of heaven. So a little bit practical for us individually or us as groups, us as church, you as as a church as well, uh, based in the town where you're based, what does um, proclaiming the kingdom look like? And um, what I thought I'd do is take a, a little bit of strategy from Jesus, how he sent off his friends to live like this. And there's some really, there's just some great stuff in here. And, what, and then if you look at the book of Acts and you see how um, the apostles went through kind of Europe and Asia and whatever, they basically followed this pattern of Jesus, this strategy. So they followed it, so it's a good one for us to follow. Um, so I'll read in Luke chapter 10. Um, I'll probably stop at verse 9-ish or something, but it, it, it kind of goes on a few more verses. And it says this, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place, where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there, and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. So there you go. Um, and then what they, they do it, and it's amazing, they come back and uh, they tell Jesus. Just to say, personally, this passage, well, there's a, uh, a parallel passage in Matthew chapter 10 as well. I remember when I was 11, I'd already met Jesus a couple of years before. Um, I heard someone went to a, uh, a church on holiday. My parents forced us to go to church on holiday. It was just so grim and awful. But anyway, go to this church on holiday. I'm 11-year-old thinking, I do not want to be here. Um, but I do remember the preacher was preaching. He preached from Matthew chapter 10, same word in the same sentence. He said, behold, I send you out as sheep among wolves. Um, and in Matthew, it says, be as innocent and doves as, and as wise as serpents. And it just went like an arrow into my 11-year-old soul. And I, st- I was there with my sister and my brother and my parents. I started kind of those tears in my eyes, thinking Jesus is speaking to me. It was kind of a, ah, this is calling me. This is, what, this is how I want to live. This is it. I want to be sent by Jesus. I want to be sent by him. I, and I still want to be sent. In fact, I think I want to be sent by Jesus more than I've ever felt now. The last few months, I've been churning this kind of stuff around. going, Oh, God, I just want to be sent by you. I just want to be thrust out by you and, and, and do this, proclaim the kingdom. So this is really living in me at the moment, personally. I'm kind of bubbling over with it at the moment. Um, so it's personal to me, but it's, I think it's just a great... We'll just look through point by point and see what we can learn from what Jesus says. So first of all, he says, go out in, um, go out in pairs. Uh, this is because we saw yesterday, you're looking at Genesis chapter 1, we're made in the image of God, male and female, he made them, because God says, let us make, let us 
make humanity in our image. God is plurality, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is relationships. He's community. He loves community. The only way you can have love is in community, and God is love. So this is who he is. Therefore, everything is in community. So when we're thinking, oh, God, I want to live for the kingdom of heaven, the basis of it is community. Now, that doesn't mean you've got to take someone to work with you or someone to, you know, to your lectures with you because oh, I've got to have someone with me all the time. It's not that, but it is that you are part of a community. So you, we, we do what we do and we live how we live. We go out and we come back. And we're then with our community and we report back and, and we enjoy one another's stories and we pray for one another and we send each other out again and we come back. And so this is all about, Jesus says, you've got to do this together. He did it together. He decided not to be a lone preacher, but he decided to have a team with him and to talk about stuff in the team, to tell them how he was feeling, what was going on, what he's about to do, uh, to talk with them about how it went. He does this all the way through. We've got to find this. And um, you've got it here. This is, this is just wonderful. This is really, really good. And I've, I, I really believe in church and I love church. And what you've got here is fantastic. Last night was just beautiful. Stunning, stunning. The, the engagement. There was, can I just say, this is not to put anyone off who's sitting on the chairs. It's old people sitting on chairs, isn't it? Getting older and older as it goes back. That's just the way. The engagement of praying and prophesying round here... This bit here was just phenomenal. This is it. This is, this is what Jesus was doing with his disciples. He'd be, he'd be praying like this in a group, praying for one another, going, okay, off you go, and I want to see you when you come back. Tell me all about it when you come back. They come back really enthusiastic, and they start praying again. This is it. So what, you, what you're experiencing this weekend, certainly last night, this is what Jesus was doing in this chapter. He's kind of getting together, praying. They're laying their hands on one another, enjoying each other. Their team, and they go out together. Into, and they, or they might go out into their lives, and they're going to report back. So I just encourage you that... Um, yeah, team is it. For me, I first discovered this. I was longing for this. As, from that age of 11, I just thought, I want to find some people who've got the same thing in me, in them. I, there, was, there was one or two, but it was when I went to university that I found some people who had the same sense of call, and it was absolutely dynamic, what I discovered. It was amazing. The power of the Holy Spirit in us and among us was extraordinary. And so God did this work in us as a bunch of people, I was down in London, and basically from that point, he kind of thrust us out into the mission field. Some people went to, I mean, some people I know, and, and the same for Bev, some people went to China, some people went to France, some people went to Azerbaijan, some people planted church in London, that's including us. Uh, we're all still with one another in the Holy Spirit. We're all still living for the kingdom, and we meet one another, and we talk to one another, and chat with one another, and whatever, and it's still there after all this time. It's still what I discovered of the kingdom of heaven when I was a student just so set me on fire. It, it kind of gave me some tracks to go by. I thought, right, this is how I'm going to live. And it's been amazing. It's just been amazing. And it is actually better than ever. It doesn't, it doesn't have to get all boring and rubbish, the older it gets. It's really, really good. This is good. What you've got now is really good. You know what? It can get hotter and hotter and hotter. This stuff multiplies. It gets really, really good. The more, the more you taste of the Holy Spirit, the more you want, you want him, and there's, there's more excitement. It was the same for the disciples. It just gets better and better and better. This is like their first trip, and it's pretty good. But then, um, yeah, it gets, it gets a lot better. So go with community. 
you got, I, I need, I realized from last night, I'm looking at everything going on, uh, I need this. I need what you've got. I, need, I have got this. I mean, I'm part of a church, whatever. But I, it struck me, I really need this. This is, this is what I was designed for as a human being, is this. I think you need it as well. But I know, I recognize my need of it. I thought, gosh, this is it. This is me breathing in. I know we're not meant to take too many deep breaths because of COVID and all that kind of thing. I think, you know, I think, <clears throat> if I take, but I, I need to breathe this in deeply. And you need to breathe this in deeply because it's fabulous. So that's team. Then he says, um, don't take anything. It's a bit odd. Don't take anything with you, sandals, bag, and don't greet anyone on the road. It's all a bit weird, isn't it? But it's basically saying, don't go as benefactors. Don't go with all that you've got, with all your... Don't give out of your surplus. Go in humility. So it's not about, I've got to have loads of stuff in order to give it away to other people. I've got to, we've got to have loads of resources, whatever. It's great to have resources, but you don't need, anyone can live for the kingdom of heaven. You don't need to be really brilliant at this, that, and the other. You don't need to have loads of resources or loads of money or whatever. You don't need that. So Jesus goes, right, go with no resources whatsoever. You're going to go with absolutely nothing. And so that means the people you go to, the, the people at work, the people in your neighborhood, the people you're studying with, or whatever it is, the people you go to, you're going to have to rely on them. That is, that is counterintuitive to me. I'm thinking, I need to go all prepared. I need, to, I need to have everything, and then I can give away to people, and they'll be so grateful, and it'll be really brilliant. I won't ask anything from them or anything like that because it's just I'm, I'm pouring out my love and the love of God, and uh, no, 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 I don't want anything back from you. Yeah, of course, we're not doing a transaction. It's not like I give you the gospel and you give me some cash or whatever like that. But what it is, Jesus is saying, you go with such humility that you really do need stuff from the people you're caring for and giving away to. You need to, you need to rely on them. Oh, what? I've got to rely on the people that I'm meant to be sharing the gospel with and living for the kingdom with. Yeah. How about that? Oh, gosh. Jesus did that. He kind of came with nothing. He was, just, he was a baby. He had absolutely nothing. He's relying on everyone, left, right, and center. He's relying on people looking after him. And these are the people he's meant to be teaching and you know, pointing to the kingdom of heaven. But he's relying on them. Ah, it's... it's it's kind of awful. It's horrible. I hate it. I'd much rather be self-sufficient in every way. Uh, but Jesus says to me, no, no, no. No, you're going to have to be humble and rely on people and accept stuff from people. And these are the people you're giving to. Now, what I've noticed as I've done it is when I'm humble and when I, when I have got nothing to offer other than the kingdom of heaven, which is obviously quite big, but when I've got nothing to offer... It's really sweet because people then offer me. They, it puts them in a place of caring for me, looking after me, which opens up generosity in their hearts. So then when I proclaim the kingdom, their hearts are already open because they've just looked after me. That is really sweet. That's way better than being a missionary that has everything and gives to the poor people or whatever. It's way better. It's actually uh, people's hearts are already open. They're already doing a good thing to you. And then you go, I've got nothing to pay you back with. I've got, I haven't got spare sandals. I've got no spare bag. I've got no money for the road or anything like that. All I've got is the kingdom of heaven. Let me offer it to you. Bang! That's where, that's where the magic happens. It's really, really good. So don't worry if you're young or old, you, haven't got, you feel you haven't got what it takes, you haven't got the skills, you haven't got the time, you haven't got the energy, whatever. It's like, oh gosh, how do I do this? Brilliant. Strip it all away and just be ready to be used by the Holy Spirit and see what happens. And particularly, let people love you and care for you. 
So you go, we go into, we're going to talk about going to people's homes or whatever. They look after you. They've been really generous. How do I repay them back? All I've got is the kingdom of heaven. That's all we need, actually. That's brilliant. So I'll, I'll tell some stories of that in a bit. But um, basically, don't be benefactors. Don't bless out of your physical abundance to simply bless out of the abundance of what God has done in your heart. Next thing is this. Go to people who will receive you. People of, people of peace. This is, um, this is a great strategy of the kingdom of heaven, actually. Rather than, I've just got to spend all my time with people who hate me and uh, people who don't, don't want to hear about Jesus and don't want this. It's not that at all. As Jesus says, look, if people don't want to hear, just leave it for now. Don't worry. Don't worry. Just leave it. And we'll, you know, I'll work in their lives. Don't worry about it. Go, go to people who, um, who kind of want you and invite you. That's, I find that really interesting. Go to people who... Um, when you say peace be with you and your peace rests on them, it's just like they like being with you. They like hanging out with you. They, there's somehow there's an acceptance of you and an acceptance, weirdly, spiritually, of what you're carrying in the Holy Spirit. Again, that is a bit counterintuitive to me because I thought I was brought up going, oh, I've just, I've just got to go to people who resist and I've just got to, you know, I'm a sheep among wolves and they hate me and um, whatever. And, um, but it's not that. There is a kind of, of course there's a risk, of course we're in a spiritual battle, but you know what? There's people who, whose hearts are open, and when the, when the kingdom of heaven comes to those places, it multiplies out really rapidly. So when you find someone who's kind of ready to accept you, ready to accept the message of the kingdom of heaven, what happens there is a multiplying thing, and then it's... then. So it's something spreads way beyond what you could have done. Well, I could have kind of met 10 people or whatever. These people, when, you, when you go to someone a piece, it, it multiplies out 10 by 10. It's just, it's just this brilliant way of multiplication. So how do we do this? It's, let me uh, it's, uh, give you some, some examples of this personally and then some in our church sort of corporately. So I was doing a, um, a friend of mine uh, wanted me, she'd, she'd had twins um, and she wanted me to do some kind of ceremony. Uh, none of her friends were Christians or anything like this. She wanted a ceremony that, just to mark the occasion. And so she said, oh, could I, could I do some ceremony thing? So um, we're in a really nice pub in, in um, Hampstead and uh, upstairs. And so there's loads of food and whatever. And so I, did a, I invented a kind of ceremony that would be, I thought would, wouldn't put anyone off. So it, it didn't have religious language, but I was using... I explained about what a blessing was, and I kind of spoke prophetic words without calling them prophetic words. I was just trying to—I I was just creating something sort of out of the blue uh, that I thought would connect with the people there and would bless these two boys and their mum and whatever these two babies did. That someone comes up to me at the end and says, "And was intrigued. This is a person of peace. They just wanted how I did this because it seemed to be—it seemed to be good. It seemed to have life in it." So he starts talking to me. He's just, he's just going, oh, oh um, so, so you said this, and you said that, and you said the other. I'm thinking, oh, did I? I can't really remember what I said. Oh, I like the way you said this. Turns out he's a, he's a management consultant for massive firms. So he helped HSBC Global change all their stuff. He's working with Jaguar Land Rover at the moment, as Jaguar Land Rover have to diversify away from cars. He works with the Metropolitan Police. He's just, he's just this top, top change management guy um, with huge, huge companies. Anyway, he then contacts me afterwards, says, can we meet up? So I, I go down to London to meet him. I'm on the train, I'm saying, God, just give me some, 
what can I say, what can I speak to his life? So I'm asking God when you when you ask Jesus for some some words for someone, he'll put some ideas in your head. He just will because uh, he wants you to be blessing people. So so you just you just pray and then whatever comes to your mind after you prayed is probably from Jesus. So uh, I did that. So I had these kind of things I wanted to say to him. He sits me down. Turns out he's really unwell. Um, he's been told by the doctors he's not got long to live. He's got like three months to live. Um, there's a kind of panic about him. He says, Martin, I've got a great consultant. I've got a great Chinese herbalist. And now I would like you to be my spiritual director. Which is brilliant. So he's not, you know, he's not, not a Christian or anything like this. So, um, so I go, yeah, this is good. And I said, well, as I was coming down here, I was praying for you. And um, uh, kind of these, these verses from the Bible came to my mind. And I thought, oh, that would be quite good. And I, so I shared it with him. He starts crying says, no one's ever prayed for me before. You, you prayed for me, I can't believe that. Just his heart is open. And it's lovely. And so I said, well, you know, I'm going to be praying that you get better. And I, I love hanging out. He said, he's a great guy. I love hanging out, hanging out with you. What happens since, I don't think this is my prayers. I think it's just the grace of God. Is he, he got better. He got completely better. And he's, he's then texting me and all the way through it going, I can't believe it. But he's completely better. And he only had a few months to live. And I've started meeting up with him. He was one of the founder members of this club in London called the Groucho Club, which is this kind of hell-raising club in Soho. And he and Bono and others started it. And he just had massive parties and there's cocaine on the counters. He's telling me all these stories like this. And I go and meet him there. We, I sip a Manhattan because I'm really sophisticated. And I'm basically... Just sharing my life with this guy. And what's happening is just life is beginning to pour out of him. I'm loving it. I've got nothing to offer. I'm not a high-level anything. I, I just live in this little town, Stafford and whatever, and I get on the cheap train and go to London, and I meet this guy. And what happens in the exchange? I'm having a fantastic time in the Groucho Club, eating and drinking just the nicest stuff. And I'm praying with him and I'm chatting with him and just it's the most stunning thing. It's just life is, life is pouring out of us. And then he says, oh, I want you to introduce you to my brother. Um, can we meet? So we meet at his brother's club, which is another one in another part of Soho. And his brother runs Radio 3 and Radio 4. And, so, and he says, Martin, tell my brother all about what you told me. He says, basically this stuff. It's about the kingdom of heaven. So okay, I'll talk to you about blah, 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 blah. Um, it just spreads. Just these one-on-one -on -one encounters. There's another, another guy in our... In our church, there's a, um, we've got a friend, and she invited her neighbors, or someone she worked with who lives close to her, to a Christmas event about three years ago. We said hello. They were at a carol service. That was it. And then um, we have these groups. We call them uh, clusters. It's groups of small groups where we can socialize. You can invite your friends. You can do some worship together, about 30 people. We opened our garden a year and a half ago. Uh, was doing that. And um, a woman, who'd, she'd, the, the wife, she'd just done Alpha Online, become a Christian. She came. She brought her husband He's never been to church or anything like that. I chatted to him. Turns out he, was, uh, he was, uh, used to play for Aston Villa. Now he's got a, uh, got a company. It's really successful. He drives this electric Porsche saloon thing. It's just so lovely. I really want to ride in it. Um, anyway, we, we're chatting. I just, just asked him about his work in our garden, that sort of thing. And, um, and then we, uh, a few weeks ago, we had him and his wife around for a meal with this mutual friend. And again, we're just kind of chatting normally. He's never been to church. Anyway, he watched me online. I did a talk online a couple of weeks ago to the church about what God was doing in my life. Watched it, and then he sent me an email a couple of days ago. And he's just intrigued. He said, Martin, I hope you don't mind me writing, but I just love what you said about this and, and um, what God's stirring in your life. And uh, I can see that in you. And uh, he's almost like prophesying. 
he's not even a Christian or anything, but he's speaking into my life in this thing, saying, I'd love to, you know, if there's, if there's any way I can help you in what you're going to be stepping into and whatever, love to do that. Basically, the kingdom of heaven is all over this guy. He just wants what I've got. He's got loads of money. He's got a nice Porsche. He's got, you know, he's a footballer, whatever. He wants what I've got, little old me. Because I got the kingdom of heaven. So I, I wrote, wrote back to him a couple of days ago, just before I came here, and said, oh, I'd love to meet for coffee with you. I'm so excited. These are, these are, just, people, these are just random people you come across. Another, another one, again, it just, um, just shows the, the work of God. Another one, I, I got introduced. I was told, oh, oh, you need to go and see someone um, because they're doing a great work, great charity work. So I went down to London. I ended up at the house, which is, I don't know if you've seen the film Notting Hill. It's the house that's in Notting Hill where, you know, the, what's his name, opens the door and he's wearing his pants in that, that house, yeah? It's in there. It's this kind of evening in there. So I go into this house. It's not like that. On the inside, it's just incredible. It's not like it was in the film. It's just, a, there's a courtyard. There's loads of wine. There's loads of kind of, and I'm chatting with all these people. And they're, they're asking me what I do. And, you know, I say, and they're all kind of these high-level people. Anyway, there's a presentation. I'm sitting there. There's about 10 of us. And someone is pitching, saying, look, if you can give, I'm looking for a million a year for three years from, from people in this, year, in this room. I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm just in the wrong room here. I'm not someone who could, but all the, everyone else could give a million a year. So he's pitching this stuff. thinking, oh, this is wrong. So I then chat to the guy who's doing the pitch, talking to him. Turns out he was, a, he was in the party scene, running parties in New York. Uh, he's having a New Year's party one day. God just breaks into his life incredibly. He starts reading a book, and God just, just goes, what are you doing with your life? And he said, I was completely spiritually, morally, everything bankrupt. And so what he did, he gave up all that party life. He gets on the Mercy Ships as a photographer. He goes around Africa, and he's taking photographs for Mercy Ships and realizes that there's people who, because of lack of good water, they are uh, so ill, so deformed, they're having to have loads of surgery. It's just awful. He goes, oh, this is awful. And um, the Holy Spirit says, well, what are you going to do about it? He says, I'm going to try and provide clean water for all these people. So he set up a charity. It's called Charity Water. You can Google it and you watch his testimony. He's just anointed by God. And this guy, because he's got a list of people who used to come to his parties, um, he then went to those people and said, look, if you can give some water, we're going to dig a well. Now he's the second biggest water charity in the US, really, really transparent, and he basically pitches to millionaires, can you give some money to run the organization so everyone else can give money and all their money will go to water charity, to, to digging wells. This guy, so I'm, I'm coming across this guy and I realize this is what the Holy Spirit does. This is the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven explodes in someone's life. They could be far away from God, living miles and miles away from God. Kingdom of heaven explodes, changes everything on the inside. Then what you do is you go to all your friends and the people of peace around you who have kind of liked you and whatever. You go back to them and you say, hey, would you do this for me? It's what Jesus said. Would you kind of, I, I've got nothing to offer, but I just need you to come to this event and give a bit of money and we'll dig a well for this. Now it's absolutely massive. And you can, this guy is full of the Holy Spirit, this guy. It's the most amazing, extraordinary charity. What will happen if we just go, yes, and we open our eyes to whoever's around us and we step into their lives and we say, I'll pray for you, I'll help you, or I'll have a drink with you, or, you know, I'll be your friend. And I realize that just being a friend with some individuals leads to life upon life upon life. It's just a, a bit, when we're guided by the Holy Spirit, you know what? The Holy Spirit can put something in someone's life through a, a word you say or a prayer or just through the fact you're sitting with them. And everything changes. There's a guy in our, in our church. He's, 
got so mashed up with drugs. He left school when he was about 13 and just got into the drug scene and violent and whatever. He's so mashed up with drugs that he's often in psychiatric hospitals because he's just paranoid and whatever. So paranoid that um, he thinks that he's going to say something that he shouldn't say, so he'll fill his mouth with water so he can't speak, so the neighbours won't hear him through the wall. That's paranoia, because the neighbours aren't going to hear him through the wall. He's never going to say anything awful, but when he's really paranoid, he does that. It's just awful. He's completely trapped. But you know what? I've, I've spent time with this guy. I've built a friendship with him. We are firm friends, and God has worked in his life in the most stunning way. Here's someone who's had no education. He can't, you know, because of all that's happened to him, he's not working or whatever. But the Holy Spirit has filled him, and now, and, um, now he just wants to contribute to the kingdom of Jesus. So what he does, he comes to our church, and he chats with people, and he has a cup of tea with people. He's a big guy, looks quite threatening, whatever. He understands where they're coming from. We've got loads of addicts who come into our church building each day. It's just I stuck with him, and I enjoyed his friendship. I don't think I had much to offer him other than being me, actually, and I was just me with him and being me with him and sitting with him and traveling with him through his ups and downs and ups and downs through his life actually means he's in a really, really great place now. It's simply being a friend, just being kind. Part of the kingdom of heaven is about simply just being befriending people, sitting with people, listening to people, caring for them. And then when the Holy Spirit prompts you, just speaking it out or acting it out, or living it out, and seeing what happens. And it is just the most delightful thing. When it comes to church, uh, with our church, we, we now got this great relationship with our county council and the borough council and another district council. It's, and some of that started, there was a, a sort of explosion of life in our church where we decided to go for mission all out. And everyone decided to go for mission. And then there was a moment when um, Bev and some others were praying around an old rent office on a housing estate and going, oh, it'd be really brilliant if, God, we could use this to bless this particular community because it's the most difficult community in our town. Anyway, a week after they'd been praying that, um, someone who's in charge of the health authority for the region rang us up and said, we've been having a conference. It was in your building, by the way. We had a conference, loved, our con loved your building. We loved the coffee, we loved the food. Uh, when we were there, we, we've got a new strategy. There's a, there's a building on a housing estate in Stafford. We want to renovate it. We want to pay someone to run it. Um, and we want to engage with the community. We'd love you to do that. We'll renovate it. We'll give you a load of money. We, you can employ people. Will you partner with us? That came out of that moment of press. So we, we did that. It's been incredibly successful. We set up a separate charity to do it. Uh, there's all these projects coming out of it, so we now, we deliver furniture to people, so social services ask us to do that. The police ask us to go into people's homes and do up people's homes if people are being bullied on the street because their home is all a bit knackered and whatever. Um, we, we've got people who are helping people with bills uh, that they can't pay and benefits and all these sorts of things. <clears throat> Just came out of this moment of, Lord, we'd like to serve. We get to know someone in the council. This guy actually is, he was the, he's the, he was, at that point, the Muslim spokesman for the, for the Muslim community in our town. So he wasn't a Christian, but a man of peace, good, good guy, who just saw that our church, he said, you're the, you're, you're the best people at running a building in the town of Stafford, so would you run this building? Now we've got five buildings. The county council, uh, we, we, um, uh, another one was we started running a library for the council, because they were going, we're going to close this library, can you help us? So we ran the library. They said, because you're running this library so well, we've got a, a, 
It's a big building, youth and community center with loads of fields and stuff. It's in another town. I wonder if you could take that on for us. I'm going, yeah, I'd love to, because we've got a church just about to start in that town. It would be brilliant. And it's a pound a year, so that's really good, so it's not really expensive for us. We'll pay the bills. We've got this amazing building in this other town. So what, what's happened is you, you go to, to people, and they want you... They, they, I know it's like, it's like they, they want to give stuff to us because they see that the kingdom of heaven actually works. People's lives are actually getting changed. So now we've got these various buildings in Stafford and towns around Stafford, and people come in, and it's the way we... we we've got tea and coffee and whatever, we chat with people, and, and the, the moment of chatting and loving and caring something special happens in that moment. So we've got loads of people in all these different buildings. So now what the council have done, they've said, right, we've got, we've got a community matron who looks after the addicts and the homeless and the hard to reach in the town and another guy who's a nurse with her. And so, they, so now they're going, well, we're going to base ourselves in your building. Then there's a guy who's a GP. He's a bit maverick. He's a bit mad. Um, but he's working for the mental health services and he's been based in our building. They're going, <clears throat> we just want to go where the life is. The life is where you are. This is, this, is, um, this is the kingdom of heaven. When actually you just follow the trail, you go, we'll serve in this way, and then there's a door open. It's okay, we'll go for this door here, and we'll, we'll serve in this way, and then we'll serve in this way. We've got people who are volunteering who are, you know, they're not, they're not Christians, but actually that's absolutely fine. They're kind of on their journey. And so many people are finding their way into the kingdom through either serving or through receiving, serving. In fact, there's one woman in the, in the council who does all the contracts and stuff with us, and, and I've been praying for her and um, uh, writing emails, and again, just writing an encouraging email, and I take the Bible and I put it into my own words or take the message or something like that and make it sound like it's not the Bible, if you know what I mean. Um, but it is the Bible, it is the Word of God, and it's you know, got all that power in it. And I send the, you know, I like to do that with people, text them or email them, and sending her stuff that to, to speak into her life. Anyway, it wasn't, I don't think it's through me, but she became a Christian during the COVID lockdown. She's like, you know, number two in the council. It's amazing, isn't it? Just like, just stuff happening left, right, and center. It's just incredible. All you have to do is, all you have to do is get a kettle and get a tea bag and a bit of milk, whatever, <laughs> back to the subduing, and you start there and then see what happens. And then suddenly we've got all these buildings, we've got all these projects, we've got people coming in and out, we get to know people left, right, and center, we're getting to know powerful people, we're getting to know really powerless people. It's all, it's, oh, it's just amazing. It's such an adventure, this stuff. What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? What kind of impact do you want to have? Just, just ask the Holy Spirit, just present that before the Holy Spirit. Say, oh, I'd like to do a little bit of this. And see what the Holy Spirit does as he comes on you. Because he goes, oh, that sounds great. I'll open some doors for you. That sounds really brilliant. It might be about your home. Like um, my parents, when we moved to Stafford when I was four, they, had, they were wanting to um, foster and, uh, and then they'd moved from Cheshire. And so it was like, oh, we're in Staffordshire now. We've got to start all over again. Social worker comes to them, who's in our church, saying, there's a desperate case. I wonder if you could take this little girl. So um, they're taking a girl. Uh, my sister, she's fostered till she's about 13, 14. And then she was adopted and, and whatever. Turns out, my, my, it turns out that my brother found out, because well, he's a lawyer, found out that um, he had a thing across his desk about some awful stuff going on in a, in a particular family. Really terrible. He's looking at it. He goes, oh, my goodness. This is my sister's family. This uh, blood family. Oh, my goodness, what's happened? I told you about my mum who um, had Alzheimer's. What she 
the, the main thing that when she was able to articulate things in the last, before she stopped talking, the main thing that she was able to articulate was she had re- God had asked her to rescue my sister from the most awful situation. It turns out it was really as, as bad as you can imagine. And my mum did that, and it was basically, that's what I came, that's why I lived. I lived so I could take this little girl into my home, and she was rescued. Now, weirdly, when my mum died, my sister then kind of felt released to go and pursue her family, particularly her sisters and um, brothers, and she's found them. And, and on Christmas Day, one of her blood sisters came around to our house with her husband. Man, it's beautiful. She's become a Christian, even though she went through a really, really terrible time. She's become a Christian. Her daughter's become a Christian. It's like, oh, my goodness. God, you were at work in this family. And they were far off. But my mum and dad reached in because the Holy Spirit asked them to, and there was something about the faith and obedience of that that rescued my sister, and I think opened the door to bring blessing on others in that family who are really, really broken. It's like home life. It's your home life. It's your work life. It's your hobby life. It's whatever it is, and whether it's close or whether it's far. Just be opening yourself to the kingdom of heaven. Go, I'm going to follow your prompting, God. I just want to I just want to move into wherever, wherever there's peace, wherever there's, there's a social worker who says, ah, yeah, here, there's, I, I see that. There's a friend who says here. There's a, someone in the council who says here. And you make a relationship and there's something, there's something of a yes around it. Jesus says, find these places, these people, where there's a yes and there's some peace and hang out there. And what you do, um, you hang out and eat and drink what is set before you. This is brilliant. I know that the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of eating and drinking, says Paul in Romans, um, but it's uh, just as peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Um, But there is a lot of eating and drinking. It's not a matter of it, but let's face it, when Jesus was proclaiming the kingdom, the way he did it was to eat and drink with people. So what he does is people open their homes to him, and he goes in, he just has a really nice time, and then he rents a house, and he, he also does it, and has people uh, coming in and eating with him. It's all about life on life. The kingdom of heaven, essentially, it's not airy-fairy. Yes, there's the Holy Spirit who's prompting us and opening things up. Yes, there's a spiritual battle that we're in, but essentially... It's about life, the actuality of life. It's about what we're doing. It's about us and our friends, us and our family. It's about colleagues. It's about sitting down with one another and having a meal and kind of enjoying a meal, having hospitality. And that's why, I suppose, I'd tell you that story of the buildings we've got. It's all about hospital. It's all about life. It's all about just eating and drinking with one another. And out of eating and drinking with one another emerges these amazing moments where you can go, someone might open their hearts and you can go, that is the kingdom of heaven. That's the presence of God. Let me point something out to you. It's just like, you know when um, Nicodemus comes to Jesus in John chapter 3, he's going, oh, in the way the message puts it is, um, I, see that you, I see that you're sent from God. You do all this God pointing, Jesus. Because Jesus is always pointing the way to God. And they have this conversation and Nicodemus is going, oh, there's something, there's something, and Jesus just explains and talks to him and says, look, if you want to see the kingdom, you've got to be born again. And it, it just works with Nicodemus. And so it's that when you're, when you're with one person or with a few people and you're chatting with them, you have a meal with them, something happens that is really spiritual. So this guy who emailed me the other day, it's because he was able to email me because we've eaten together. And we've not been religious or spiritual. I've just kind of been his friend and he's been my friend. 
And now he wants the kingdom of heaven in me. He just wants some of that. So, um, yeah, so uh, it's just, it's incredibly normal. It's life on life. It's, it's, it's hearing from the, here's a story about, um, I suppose, just getting used to practicing watching the kingdom. This is like a, in some ways I feel bad about thinking of this story because it's got no value other than it was really nice for me and Bev. But it's not like a kingdom of heaven story where loads of people get saved or anything like that. It's just like a, it seems quite selfish. But anyway, um, we got uh, Bev's engagement ring uh, that I got years ago. I got it from a place in the, the jewelry quarter in Birmingham. And we, we, we chose the stones and whatever years and years ago. Anyway, Bev lost, a di- lost one of the stones or it just kind of fell out. And uh, we didn't know where it was. So we go back to the jewellery quarter. It's about three or four years ago. Back to the jewellery quarter to get a new stone. I'm thinking, I'd love to go to the place where we got it from. And so we go all the way around the jewellery quarter looking and, and go, oh, I don't think there's any of these places looking. And in the end, just gave up and went to a cafe, gave up. And said, yeah, we'll, we'll um, I said, okay, I'll just, I'll just go over that bit now. Not away from, I'll go to another bit. It's not where we went before, but um, I'll go to this other bit and just, I'll just get a quote on a, on a diamond. So I walk away from the cafe. I say, God, I really want, for sentimental reasons only, I really want to go to the place where I got this ring from, but I don't know where it is. And so I just randomly went up some stairs and said, uh, there's this little jeweler there, little jeweler's shop. Little jeweler. He wasn't that little. He was a normal size. Little jeweler's shop with a normal size jeweler in it. And um, uh, I said, uh, look, here's a, here's a ring. Need a, need a new diamond in this ring. Can you have a look at it? And he says, oh, I, I said, it's, uh, we got it from around here, so it's pretty local. He looks at it. He goes, all ah, right, look, the inscription there, I can see who made this. This is a guy called Malcolm. My name's Malcolm as well. Malcolm taught me everything I know, and this is Malcolm's workshop. He died a few years ago, but this is where the, this is where the ring was made. I'm going, oh, my goodness. I've actually found in, there's hundreds of workshops in this area. The Holy Spirit, I, I really do believe the Holy Spirit led me to the right workshop to tell me, Martin... This is what I can do with really important things. The diamond isn't that important. It's important in terms of sentimental stuff, but we could have got any old diamond. Bev's not sentimental at all, actually, so she wouldn't have minded where the diamond came from. I'm sentimental. But he's telling me, you know what? Why don't you live like this? Why don't you live like this? What is important? People are important. And um, justice is important. Why don't you live like this? Why don't you be prompted by me? Because I'd like to show you things every day. I'd like this to be just how we do things, Martin. I'd like to chat to you. I want to drop some thoughts into your head. I want to tell you who to text. I want you to have some great conversations. I want you to enjoy life. And out of the abundance of enjoying life, I want you to bless other people. Why don't you live like this? I was like, wow. Because it's, kind of, it's not really a story of great kingdom stuff where loads of people get saved. It's just a little story in my life. But it's, okay, so... That's where the kingdom is. And actually, do you remember that Jesus, when he says the kingdom of heaven is like? It's all domestic. The kingdom of heaven is like a woman who's making bread. The kingdom of heaven is like a, a mustard seed that is thrown into the garden. The kingdom of heaven is like this uh, person who goes and looks for treasure. Oh, that's me. Ah, yeah. He's looking for treasure. I was looking for diamonds. The kingdom of heaven is like your life and my life. It's like work life. It's like uni life. 
This is where the kingdom of heaven is. It's like all these things. And that's the pictures Jesus gives to us. It's, it's in the nitty-gritty, the normal. This is where the kingdom comes. And he says to me, Martin, this is what it could be like. Why don't you live like this? And live every day, whatever you're doing, in the power of my spirit. And you know what? It's going to be really enjoyable. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be bad stuff that happens, because there is. There's awful stuff that goes on in life. And you negotiate around it, and it's really, really tricky. But being led by the Holy Spirit means that what happens is we build up a reservoir of goodness on the inside. What we need to do is go where the life is. And so with Jesus, when he's, when he's saying, proclaim the kingdom of heaven, he, you know, heal the sick and, and proclaim the kingdom of heaven in those places, it's basically go to where the life is, where the kingdom is proclaimed and where people are getting healed, where there's the prophetic, go there, don't starve yourself where you're far away from where the life is. That's why this is so good. So good you're here because this is where the life is. Keep doing this. Keep doing what we were doing yesterday. That's where the life is. We've got to get to places where the kingdom of heaven is just dynamic. So we used to take, I used to take teams to India every year. Can't do it at the moment politically in India. It's just really awful. It's one of the worst places to live as a Christian. Now, um, uh, on Sundays, um, people are coming in and murdering Christians as they're worshipping in church. It's just really awful. So we can't go there and do this anymore. But I used to take teams, I don't know, 10, 20 people every year. So we've taken well over 100 people to India, to the slums, where it's like the Acts of the Apostles. It's like that, where people are just getting healed, people are getting saved, there's miracles happening. It's just amazing. Now, I need to go there and take people there because... I need to see it. So I took this young couple there. <clears throat> they work with me now in church. We're in this, uh, we're in this Jeep. They, the people say, don't get out yet. It's quite dangerous here. Uh, it's all dark windows. Just stay in the Jeep. They kind of reversed the Jeep slightly. And as they reversed the Jeep, the power cable broke and smashed down where the Jeep was onto the pavement. All these sparks went everywhere. I thought, oh my goodness, we'd, if that had hit our Jeep, we'd have been electrified. Then suddenly, they say, come on now. So we rushed to this, through this slum area to a, a railway. There's a, a shrine of Ganesh. Get around the shrine. There's all these people crowding. They all want to be healed. All these people. It's like, oh no. They all want to be healed. And it's like, ah, oh, I don't do this. I'm just like from Stafford and we don't do this. Uh, but they all want healing. And, there's, and, there's, and so, so we talk, we share a little bit about Jesus and then we pray for people. It's just amazing because they're, they're getting healed. It's like, oh my goodness. It's like, um, there's, there's, I remember this one old woman, she, she couldn't raise, she's got, she can't raise her arm or whatever. It's all kind of really shriveled. And, and I say, what do you want praying for? And the translator, because she, she wants her arm to be healed. I'm thinking, oh no, because it's going to be really obvious that it's not healed. Oh no, I wanted it to be an inner thing. She wants more joy in the next few years. Great, I'll pray for that because it's not going to get measured here and now. Oh, it's going to be awful. So I'm, uh, so, oh Lord Jesus, please pray for her arm. And oh, she's been waving her arm. I go, oh my goodness, I can't believe Everyone else is thinking it's normal, really normal, great. Of course, Jesus heals. I'm thinking, I, didn't, I forgot that Jesus healed. This is amazing. And then they, they, they say, come over here. There's a woman in the house. And there's this woman, very, very frail, young woman, but very frail. I say, I say what's wrong with her? I say, um, she's, she's HIV and she's now got AIDS. I'm thinking, oh, no, this is terrible. I've got to pray for her. I'll just pray God's blessing on her. I'll pray God's blessing. I say, oh, please, God. This, it's just terrible, terrible situation. And obviously, didn't see anything then. I went back the year later. We're in the same slums and whatever. And then some people say, oh, come over here, Pastor Martin, come over here, Pastor Martin. There's this woman. Her name's Worrelai. I remember her woman. It's that woman. She's probably still got HIV. I don't know, but she's completely healthy. 
They said, oh, you know, when, when we prayed last year and whatever, and, and, um, and now look at her, she's really, really well. Now, I don't know all the ins and outs of medically, but I do know she was so frail, so thin. She's lying on this little mattress. And then when I saw her the next year, she's absolutely fine. This is the power of God. I need to get to these places. There's, um, there's one guy, the person who got us into this, got, he went there and he saw that there's, there's young girls who are sold to a goddess when they're babies. And what that means is when they're about 12, they go and they're forced into prostitution in the temple. They don't earn any money from it. Um, people just come and use them, men come and use them. If they have kids, their kids, because they're married to the goddess, their kids are then illegitimate, which means their kids aren't accepted in society. Or anything. It's just, it's awful. It's 3,000 years of horrible slavery. And this guy, kind of this friend of mine goes, and, and so we've been working with a charity called DFN, which is Dalit Freedom Network, seeing Dalits, which are the kind of outcasts of, of the society, they're seeing them set free. And the bunch of people we're working with have faith to believe that this system, which is in a two or three of the states in India where it just happens, they're working with women, they're working with the girls, they're rescuing the girls out of this, they're teaching them English, they're saying to the mums, you know what, your children can learn English and English will help them get a job. They believe that this way of slavery, these particular girls being sold to the goddess so they're into sex slavery, is going to be eradicated in our lifetime. God has given them faith that that is going to happen. That's a big dream. It comes out of breaking your heart and going, oh God, will you do something? But it's happening bit by bit, village by village. Things are changing in village life. I believe, because I look at the Acts of the Apostles, I believe that cities and regions can completely change. I've been to Ephesus, and I've seen all the architecture in Ephesus, and it's mainly Christian, and it wasn't in Paul's day. It was pagan. And what happened is the kingdom of heaven came to Ephesus, and you can read about the beginnings of it, and began to change that city, and the whole city changed. The whole thing. All the dynamics. Everything changed. Because, of, because there's 12 people in the beginning who are just worshipping Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit falls on them. This is, this is kind of big stuff. I've just been in France with... Uh, Gerald and Chrissy Kelly came and spoke at your weekend a few years ago, didn't they? Just been in France, and um, they, this couple in France, they've been church planting. What they do is they, they often they get a load of students every year um, coming over to France, praying, worshipping, uh, just kind of learning more about Jesus, just kind of setting their lives in order, doing some mission stuff. There's a load of refugees who are wanting to get to the UK, they're just living really, really rough. They're looking after these refugees. They do this stuff where you get together for a week or two, mainly students, <clears throat> and it's a life-transforming week. Anyway, I went a few years ago. I took, there was a, a daughter of some friends of ours who was there. She didn't really want to be there. I took my son. He didn't want to be there, really grumpy. Uh, I, took, uh, I took them to this thing. Uh, there's worshipping, there's praying, there's some really great input. What happens is transformation happens. This is in this little farmhouse in Normandy. It's very beautiful. There's cheese and wine and lovely food and whatever. It's all kingdom of heaven stuff, obviously. But they're there, and, and we're in a prayer room, and this girl, Holly, um, she's been out on this area where there's all these refugees, and there's loads of white vans around, and it's basically women who've been trafficked from Africa, forced into these white vans as prostitutes. And Holly just sees this, and her heart breaks. She's just about to go to university to study French and international development. Her heart breaks, she got so angry. And she was also, God, I don't know if I believe in you and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, we, she, was, she reminded us, last because I was there with her last week, she said, 
We were in this prayer room, all these other students there were worshiping, praying, God speaks to me, and then some people particularly prayed for me, and it was like, God is calling you to do something about this. Here's someone who she's not really been interested in God, she's kind of been a bit far away. Anyway, a spark happens, she then goes to university, she's doing her degree and whatever, she's staying in touch with Gerald and Chrissy and this organization, Bless. What's happened now is God has propelled her into this. She's found there's this charity in Luton where she now works and she manages the work of looking after sex workers, women in the Luton area, um, befriending them, caring for them, um, looking after them. She's got basically God planted a seed in her when everyone is worshipping and praying in Normandy in France that has now burst out three or four years later and she's doing the stuff. She's fully alive. The kingdom of heaven is pouring out of her. She's someone who felt far away from God. You just need to go where the life is. The life was in India. And I've seen it there. The life is in this. I do recommend it to you, actually. If you want to take a bunch of you over there, worship and pray. Listen to some great teaching. Get stuck into some mission stuff. Because it's life-changing. Life is there. Jesus says, get where the life is. Go where it is. And it will explode. And you heal the sick. You will heal the sick. And you'll proclaim the kingdom and things will happen. And that's what's happened with this girl, Holly. She, she met with Jesus. It's amazing. And it's changed her life. And now I look at her and I go, oh my goodness, what happened to you? It was where the life was in a prayer room with a bunch of students. And something changed in you. And so this is, um, yeah, I guess uh, Jesus goes and then come back. If, 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 if you actually it's just too hard, kind of withdraw. If it's going really well, engage. And then come back and we'll talk about it and we'll relax and we'll chat, we'll share our stories and then we'll go out again. So I just want to encourage you. I want to send you into the mission field. I want to send you as those filled with the Holy Spirit to proclaim the kingdom of heaven.